are listening to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, April 14th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. California just released its roadmap to phasing out gas-powered cars. If you're in the market to buy an electric vehicle today, good luck. The EV market is smoking hot and inventory is low. Also in demand, poll monitors as the June 7th primary looms. After regional news and weather, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talks to Tom Durkin about his video project in support of a mission to provide safe space for the chronically unhoused. We end with an essay from Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A draft of California's first-in-the-nation roadmap for ending the sale of all new gas-powered cars in the state by 2035 has been released. KQED climate editor Kevin Stark reports that would have wide-ranging impacts from climate to health to jobs. It's a multiple birds with one stone policy for air officials. Cars and trucks account for about half of the state's greenhouse gas emissions and the vast majority of its smog. The new plan requires an increase in the sales of electric vehicles starting in 2024. Davina Hurt is with the California Air Resources Board. There'll be a reduction in premature deaths, hospitalizations, lost work days associated with the exposure. Environmental advocates want the state to move faster and ensure equal access to electric cars in low-income communities. Roman Partida Lopez is legal counsel for Oakland's Greenlining Institute. This rule falls way short, and we need to see a stronger and more intentional commitment from CARB on equity. Car makers speaking through a trade group said California's plan would be extremely challenging to implement. The state estimates it could lose up to 40,000 jobs at gas stations, service stations, and mechanic shops, and also billions of dollars in government revenue generated from taxes on gas. All that could be made up elsewhere. California expects billions in charging infrastructure, software, and other investment. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. So if you are in the market for a new electric vehicle in California right now, you're definitely not alone. With gas prices soaring to record levels in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, many prospective car buyers say an EV is the way to go. But are there anywhere near enough electric vehicles at California's car dealerships? From KCRW in Santa Monica, Robin Estrin has more. Lisa McCree decided she was ready to trade in her fuel-burning car for an electric one when she saw gas was selling for $6.59 a gallon. I was like, why am I driving this car? McCree, a TV news anchor, started shopping for an all-electric Volkswagen SUV. I became, like, obsessed with trying to find one. Well, of course, I became obsessed just as Ukraine happened, and everybody else was obsessed, too. Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent gas prices soaring and pushed tentative EV buyers closer to sealing the deal. But the EV market was already hot, especially here in California, where we're planning to phase out the sale of gas-powered cars completely by 2035. Meanwhile, on the supply side, manufacturers are still suffering pandemic-induced port clogs and shortages of key components like microchips. High gas prices are only heating the market. Just ask Doug Iro, who manages Toyota Longo in El Monte. And last week was the highest amount of phone calls and the highest 
uh, number of inquiries to our website in the past two years, uh, by far. Notice, he's talking about inquiries in their electric offerings and not about sales. That's because you can't sell cars you don't have. Eero and every other EV dealer I spoke to for this story told me inventory is low. So low, in fact, that at the Nissan dealership over in Downey, owner Tim Hutcherson had to come up with an unusual way to hide his inventory problem. He typically asks employees to park their cars in a lot across the street. Now, he's asking them to park right in front of the office. These are all employee cars. To keep the lot full? Try to keep the lot full. Wow. So, got to be creative. Eero at Toyota says he usually has up to 2,000 cars on the lot. Now, on a typical day, he has 30, maybe 40. About half of them are electric, and of the cars he can get, most arrive already sold. So we really have no vehicles on the lot when it comes to electrified because they're actually buying them before they even get here. So it's a pretty remarkable time. It's a mean market for consumers like Lisa McCree. She spent hours on a recent weekend calling Volkswagen dealers from L.A. South Bay all the way to Bakersfield. Not one had a car to sell. But then, on a recent morning about 10.15 a.m., McCree got a text. It was Johnny from Volkswagen South Coast saying, Good morning, Lisa. I have an ID Pro for sale. No markup. Let me know if you want to get it. Won't last a day. And he sends me pictures. I didn't get it until 11.36. I said, fantastic. No mileage. And he went, sorry, sold. <laughs> New car, sorry, sold. The price at the pump is painful, but so is a fruitless search for a car that doesn't exist. That's why McCree's decided to call off her search for now. It is going to settle down. I can suffer through it, you know, suffer through the gas price and the guilt for a, a few more months. I'll get an EV when things aren't insane. It's unclear just when things might settle down, but it's likely to be a while. So says Joseph McCabe, a market analyst and CEO of Auto Forecast Solutions. My general advice is if you don't have to buy a vehicle now, don't buy a vehicle now. You're not going to get a deal. Let's put it that way. And here's more bad news. Most people need to take out a loan to buy a car, and borrowing money is about to get more expensive. The Federal Reserve recently raised interest rates a quarter percent and is expected to raise rates again up to seven more times this year. That means by the time supply chains ease up and more cars hit the market, a car loan is likely to cost you hundreds of dollars more per year. For The California Report, I'm Robin Estrin in Los Angeles. And while gas prices remain extremely high across California, they have been on the decline over the last few weeks. According to AAA, the average price of a regular gallon of gasoline is now at $5.71. That's down about 10 cents from the same time last week. Gas prices started to dip around the end of last month after hitting record highs, closing in on the $6 mark on March 29th, although higher in some places in California. Now, industry analysts say a big reason for the decline is the fall in the global price of oil after the U.S. and its allies agreed to significant releases from their petroleum reserves after cutting off purchases of Russian oil. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, no sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Hint, water with a touch of true fruit flavor. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, 
whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. All right, listeners, that's this edition of the California Report for Thursday, April 14th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day out there. With the primary election coming at us fast, the time has arrived to remind voters of some crucial facts. For example, May 23rd is the last day to register to vote. And even though Nevada County allows mail-in ballots, statewide in-person voting is still a thing. Here's more from California News Service. The June 7th midterm primary election is less than two months away, and clean elections groups are working to clear up misconceptions and recruit nonpartisan poll monitors to make sure things go smoothly. During the pandemic, the state started sending mail-in ballots to every registered voter, and last fall, the legislature made that permanent. But Alessandro Lozano with California Common Cause says a lot of voters mistakenly think we've done away with in-person voting. We've been encountering a lot of folks who think that we are exclusively a vote-by-mail state now because of the passage of AB 37, and we're reminding people that they have multiple options, whether it's by mail or in person. Ballots will be mailed out in about a month. Six years ago, state lawmakers passed the Voters' Choice Act, which allowed counties to expand early voting and set up local vote centers with the option to reduce the number of neighborhood polling places. For the June primary, Riverside and San Diego counties will transition to this model. People can go to their county registrar's websites to find out the closest place to vote. Lozano says Common Cause is also recruiting about 200 nonpartisan volunteers to do spot checks in those counties plus Los Angeles to make sure polling places are set up correctly and that election materials are translated into other languages where it is legally required. Those folks are responsible for making sure that all is well and good, that that location is complying with all state law and also answering any questions that voters might have. Voters also should be aware that redistricting means they may be in a new legislative district with new candidates running. The last day to register to vote is May 23rd. You can sign up for texts that track your ballot at wheresmyballot.sos.ca.gov. Support for this reporting was provided by the Carnegie Corporation of New York. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. In regional news, Placer Land Trust has transferred ownership of 40 acres of forest land above the North Fork American River near Alta to the Colfax Todds Valley Consolidated Tribe of the Colfax Rancheria. The transfer was announced by the Land Trust in a news release posted on Ubinet.com. The tribe comprises Nisanon, Maidu, and Miwok people and considers the Alta property to be part of its ancestral homelands. The news release stated that owning and managing natural land supports the tribe's effort to restore federal recognition and host educational activities for the tribe and the public at large. Grinding rocks on the preserve are a reminder that this land was a tribal food gathering and preparation site for generations. Tribal Chairman Clyde Prout III was quoted as saying, For a long time, tribes in California have lost land. Having a piece of land actually come back to the tribe where we can utilize our traditional cultural stewardship practices and have a place to gather, it's huge. Now we can have a place where we can keep our traditions going. Placer Land Trust obtained grant funding from the State Wildlife Conservation Board to purchase the land from the prior owner, Neil Gerjoy. 
The land transfer is the first of its kind in California, where the Conservation Board funded an acquisition by a local land trust and approved a subsequent transfer to a local Native American tribe. The preserve will be known as Yodokum Pakan, Gurjwa North Fork Preserve. Prout said that the Nisanon name means North Fork Spring. The unpredictability of the season has led the Nevada Irrigation District to change up the plan for its Easter egg hunt Saturday. The meadow where the festivities were planned is wet from the much-needed rain and not safe for children. So NID will host a drive through Easter egg hunt. The revised plan is that at 11.30 Saturday, NID will hand out candy to carloads of Easter celebrants at the gatehouse at Orchard Springs. The campground is at 19085 Larson Road in Grass Valley. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, today's storm will abate overnight and another one will bring rain and snow late Friday into Saturday. The heaviest precipitation is expected Saturday, affecting mountain travel. By the way, the UC Berkeley Central Sierra Snow Lab tweeted this morning that it measured just over six inches of new snow at 8 a.m. today and expects more over the next few days. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, showers likely mainly before midnight with a low of 44. South wind 6 to 9 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. New precipitation of up to three quarters of an inch is possible. Partly cloudy early Friday with some patchy fog, a high near 59 and a low of 43. Friday night, showers mainly after 11 p.m. South wind 9 to 14 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, snow showers likely mainly before 8 p.m. with a low around 28. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. New snow accumulation of 1 to 3 inches is possible. Friday, isolated snow showers before 11 a.m., then mostly sunny with a high near 45. Friday night, scattered rain and snow showers with a low around 29. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. New snow accumulation of less than 1 inch is possible. In Sacramento and Woodland this evening, a 40% chance of showers, mainly before 9 p.m., with a low around 46. South wind, 6 to 11 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 21 miles per hour. Mostly sunny Friday, with a high near 70. Showers Friday night, mainly after 11 p.m., with a low around 52, and wind gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Next, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza in conversation with Tom Durkin about the No Place to Go video project. Tom posts a video twice a week in support of the Home Path Initiative. Home Path is a mission to provide safe space for the chronically unhoused. Nevada County writer Tom Durkin is the creator of the No Place to Go video project. I spoke with him about it this afternoon. Explain to me what the No Place to Go video project is. It's basically an attempt to um, raise the consciousness and consciousness of the county that we have a severe and growing homeless problem. It's also a housing crisis. I don't know how many people are living in their cars who have jobs 
but they can't find a place to rent. And they're homeless only because there's no place to rent. What I'm trying to do, I'm trying to support the Home Path initiative to create a uh, sanctuary camp or a safe ground camp for homeless people to go to. It's just safe. You know, if they don't have a place to go, they can park their car or they can pitch a tent. But last summer, I started writing columns about homelessness. And uh, we sort of formed a group called Home Path. And they put together a wonderful uh, plan, uh, a website, nchomepath.com. And I have some Facebook pages, and I'm I'm doing this to support them. I'm not, I'm no longer affiliated with them, but um, I do support what they're doing. The No Place to Go video project is a place online where Tom posts videos of conversations and interviews he has with local houseless people. He publishes videos every Monday and Thursday. No Place to Go project is to just introduce the people who are homeless in our community to the rest of the community. These are not drug addicts on the street. These are people that are just falling on hard times or um, can't find a place to live, and they need a place to be safe. A lot of them live in their cars, and you know they don't have a bathroom to go to. They don't have showers. So um, I'm trying to support Home Path. So Home Path, the Nevada County Home Path, the intention is to create a safe place for people to camp? Yes, or park their cars if, they, if they're living in their cars. We give them showers and uh, toilets and a resource center. Yes. It's, uh, if you go to NC Home Path and look at the plan, uh, it's a really nice website. They've done a very excellent job. You can learn more about the Nevada County Home Path Initiative at nchomepath.com. And you can check out Tom Durkin's interviews at the No Place to Go Video Project Facebook page. That's at facebook.com slash P-T-G-V-P. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. If you sit in a cafe long enough, everyone around you gets older. I'm documenting this phenomenon so you don't have to. You can just believe me and race around getting things done all day like a normal person. Writers, it has long been established, are not normal. We see things others don't notice. We write them down. We make them public. Anyone else would get annoyed at how much time this takes and run off to play pickleball or do a little day trading, maybe wash the kitchen floor. But a writer will sit or speak into her phone's voice memo app while taking a walk, pull off the highway to jot something down on a bank deposit envelope, whatever. Writers are essentially living two lives, the direct life of love, loss, work, menopause, and grocery shopping, and the observational life. Ooh, look at that. Hmm, I wonder what transpire really means in reference to trees. What the heck was that Austrian guy's name who started World War I? And by the way, he was shot by someone else. Franz Ferdinand himself didn't actually start World War I. But you get the idea. For years, I've told my poetry students we should write more about work. Not our own work, necessarily, as I just did. Every kind of work. 94% of all poems are about love or death or both, and include some reference to nature. Another 3% are solely about nature. Don't quote me. I'm just making this up. We need more poems about jobs, what everyone spends the bulk of their lives doing. 
Read Phil Levine's book, What Work Is, and B.H. Fairchild's The Art of the Lathe. Read Judy Gron's The Common Woman Poems. Read Linda Hull's poem, Night Waitress, Robert Pinsky's Shirt, and Michelle T.'s Dragging the Recycling Out of the Whorehouse. Write your own poem about the work you do or work you've watched other people do. I love Robert Wrigley's poem about car repair, child care, and swearing called About Language. Here's Labor Day by Joe Millar from his collection Blue Rust, a poem about pausing for a moment in a lifetime of work. Labor Day. Even the bosses are sleeping late in the dusty light of September. The parking lot's empty and no one cares. No one unloads a ladder, steps on the gas, or starts up the big machines in the shop, sanding and grinding, cutting and binding. No one lays a flat bead of flux over a metal seam or lowers the steel forks from a tailgate. Shadows gather inside the sleeve of the empty thermos beside the sink. The bells go still by the channel buoy. The wind lies down in the west. The tuna boats rest on their tie-up lines, turning a little this way and that. I hope you are having a wonderful National Poetry Month. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's the Climate Report with host Martin Webb. At 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Then it's back to the music with Jazz Workshop at 8, hosted tonight by Peter Grossman, followed at 10 by Road Dog Radio with DJ Llama Socks. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays, 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners, carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support, serving Northern California counties and San Francisco to Lake Tahoe, milkmancompany.com. Stay safe, stay dry, and join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.